talked about how to be strong in those areas. We've, we've discussed faith. We've discussed patience. The week after we did patience, we discussed marriage. Uh, we've discussed how to be a great uh, lovers, we've talked about how to, how to be a person who's strong in our priorities, strong in our character, strong. Last week, remember, we talked about strong in our bodies. We talked about how God wants us to, to let his, uh, his Holy Spirit dwell in our bodies, so we need to make sure that we're taking care of the temple that God's given us. Now, today, I want to talk to you about self-control, and in getting ready for this message, my mind went back to a couple of months ago when I was uh, sitting in front of my TV, maybe like you, I don't know. I was, uh, every, every, every April, when it rolled, was spring break rolls around, I'm always going to be watching one particular tournament that goes on on TV. It's called The Masters. You've probably heard of it. Now, I grew up in Augusta, Georgia, right? I grew up working at The Masters. When, long before I ever played golf, I worked at The Masters. And every spring break, when The Masters rolls back around, I watch these great golfers. And now, it may sound a little bit silly, but somehow, I think by watching TV, I can become a better golfer. And, and I sit there and watch the tournament, no kidding. And I think to myself, when I go out this week, I'm going to play better golf. I know I am after watching these guys do their great golfing thing. Now, you know like I know, the truth of the matter is, I'm stuck. If I'm watching TV and I go out and play golf, I've still got the same golf game. I, I might be more hopeful in my mind. I might have a greater spirit to think I can play golf, but the truth of the matter is, those guys are a lot different from me. They have paid a price to become great golfers. And quite frankly, they have paid a price that I have never paid, right? They have hit countless balls, most of them playing since the time they were very young, to craft their talent towards an incredible level. The amount of, the, the, level, the amount of discipline they brought to their, 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 trap, their craft and to their trade is phenomenal. And you can't just sit down and watch TV and really get it. Now, you can appreciate it, but it's not going to happen by osmosis. Now, what's interesting is we all have some type of shared experience that way. I mean, you might watch the Olympics, for example, and watch these humans do amazing things and be awed by them, and you think to yourself, wow, but you probably have no idea the price they had to pay to get to that level to compete on the global stage to be the athlete they are. Now, today I'm going to talk to you about being stronger in self-control. Another way to put that is stronger in discipline. Now, nobody really wants to talk about discipline a lot. As a matter of fact, self-control probably wasn't the topic of most of your conversations this week. But I've saved it till last in the Strong series because it is one of the most important things, as you'll read from Scripture in a few minutes. Most, most of us have really no idea how important discipline is towards us really becoming the people that God wants us to be. Now, I, uh, I have a son playing football at a local high school in the area, and um, I was talking with the coach recently, and this coach of that football team, he's preaching discipline all the time. I mean, if you, you're hearing it come out of his mouth all the time. Now, what's interesting is his audience is a bunch of high school boys, you know, and he's telling them, if you're going to play great, if you're going to win in the fall, you got to pay the price now. And so the other day, we're standing in the weight room, and he's telling me about one of his normal periods of the day where he's got these football players lifting weights. And he said, I might have 40 players in the weight room, and I might have, at any given time, 15 to 20 of them that are really doing it right. They're out here working, they're lifting, they're, they're on task, they're staying, they're doing it. And then he said, I look over there, 
and there'll be anywhere between 10 to 12 other guys just loafing, some of them pretending, you know, can, how, can, they're pretending they're lifting weights, right? Or, or they're on their cell phones or they're talking, and he said, to be honest with you, now I want you to get this picture. He said, to be honest with you, I don't have time to go over there with the 10 or 12 and try to motivate them to be disciplined. My job is to take the 20 or so that have really understood what discipline is going to be, and I've got to help them do all that they can with all that they have. Guys, this morning, I want to talk to you kind of like that coach has to talk to those players, and I want to challenge you towards being strong in discipline. Now, here's the, the Bible has a lot to say about self-control and discipline. And if I were to read to you every scripture this morning, there'd be more than a hundred of them that are about discipline, about really paying the price and really uh, doing all that you can with all that you have to accomplish all that you have with your potential. But I want to read just a couple today to you right out of the book of Proverbs. So notice in your outline there, or maybe you got your, maybe you got your scripture on a device. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 13, cling to discipline. If you got your pen, maybe you'd circle that word. Cling, it's like hold on to it with all that you got. Hold on to it with tight white fists, you know. Cling to discipline. Do not relax your grip on it. The, the writer of Proverbs is saying there's something very powerful about this. You need to hold on to it with everything you got. Don't relax your grip on it because it is your life. Now, so the writer of Proverbs was basically saying if you really want to live and live all that you can, you've got to understand what discipline and self-control are all about. Now, let's turn that on the other side, okay, for the person who doesn't do that. Maybe you're here this morning, you're going, I don't have a lot of discipline. I don't have a lot of self-control. The Bible gives us a picture of that. In Proverbs 13, 18, the Bible says, poverty and shame come to those who ignore discipline. Now, those are two strong words, aren't they? Poverty. Who, in the, who, who wants to be poor here, right? Poverty and who wants to live in shame? The writer of Proverbs says, that's not who you were meant to be. Poverty and shame is, for, is reserved for those who ignore discipline, not so you. You need to cling to discipline. Don't relax your grip on it, for it is your life. So this morning I want to talk to you about what it would look like for you to be really strong in discipline in your life. Maybe in any number of areas, but as I'm talking, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to kind of tap you on the shoulder and talk to you about maybe one are two specific areas where you need greater discipline in your life to have a stronger life. Now, maybe one of the greatest uh, uh, definitions I've ever heard of discipline, I want to get you to write it down, okay? So you get your pen. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. I want you to write it down. There's probably a thousand definitions for discipline, but I want you to write this one down. It is doing the right thing regardless of how you feel in the moment. Now, that's what self-control is. That's what discipline is. Doing the right thing regardless of how you feel in the moment. Now, you and I, we have lived around people that had great discipline. We've lived around somebody who had great discipline, for example, in their work schedule. They, got, they, they were a maximum achiever in their workplace, and you saw what they did. Or maybe you, you've seen somebody who was a, an incredibly disciplined person when it came to their finances. Or maybe you've seen somebody who was an incredibly disciplined person when it came to taking care of their body, and they just took really good care of what they ate, what they put in, and, and, and how they shaped their body. Now, here's the question I have for you. When you see somebody with great discipline, maybe you've known somebody just to practice, and you, do you admire them? Do you look up to them? 
do you want to emulate them? Normally you do, right? You look, you have more respect for that type of person who has great discipline, right? Now think about the other hand. When you, when you see somebody and they lack discipline, you look at them and they look like they don't have any self-control. Maybe they, you, they just... Maybe they go to work, and instead of having a, a, a regimen of what they knew they are going to do, they, they just come to work, and they're going to they're gonna do whatever they feel like doing that day. Here's the question. Do you look up to that person? Do you respect that person? Do you want to emulate that person? Probably not, right? Because we, we understand that when you're able to do the right thing, regardless of how you feel in the moment, that's a good thing, right? Now, it's one of the things that we, we teach our children but guess what? It's one of the things we continue to try to learn as adults. This thing called self-control and discipline. We're continuing to try to learn it and shape it in our own lives. So today I'm going to talk to you about three things that I think are important for you to have self-control and discipline in your life. And I, I think these, these concepts, these, these things I'm going to share with you will, will serve you well if you can, as the Scripture says, cling to them, hold on to them steadfastly because they are your life. You got your pen? Three things I think you can practice to help you have greater discipline and self-control in your life. And the first one is this. Practice delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. My wife's laughing up here because we were driving down the road not, not long ago, and, and one of my, my children, my youngest, my youngest was saying, Dad, I, he was asking for something. He wanted something. I think he wanted to go buy a store and buy some kind of thing. And I was saying, no, just because you got money in your pocket doesn't mean you need, to, you, you, know, you need to spend it, you know. But, Dad, I want it now. I said, son, you need to learn, what de- you need to learn delayed gratification. He said, I don't care what delayed gratification. I don't even know what that is. I want it now. You know, and my other kids bust out laughing in the car because they understood what delayed gratification was. Now, delayed gratification. Here's what delayed gratification is in a nutshell. It is choosing to do the painful thing first, right, so that you can enjoy the more pleasurable thing later. My mind goes back to that coach in the locker room saying, you know what, you got to pay the price now so you can play well later, right? Delayed gratification. What's interesting is we teach this to our children at a very young age. With delayed gratification, we teach them early on, hey, listen, Come home, and before you go out in the yard and play, before you cut on the TV, before you get something to eat, do your homework first. Now, why do we tell them to do that, right? We want them to do their homework first because then when they get the, the tough homework done, they can enjoy the rest of the night. How many of you like me, you remember going home and you remember not doing that. You remember playing and putting off the homework, but you remember stressing out right before you going to bed that you didn't do it. Am I alone there? I hadn't done my stuff, right? I hadn't done my stuff, and it was eating me alive, and I couldn't really even enjoy the fun moments because I didn't really practice this thing of paying the hardest price, the toughest price first. And what's interesting, again, we teach our kids this. We tell our kids, listen, when you get your first job, here's what you need to do. You need to understand what your supervisor's goals are. You need to work your tail off. You need to try to accomplish everything you can and super achieve over your supervisors, even their expectations. So then guess what? You will be promoted and and you will be trusted with more responsibility and hopefully maybe more compensation. So go at it and work hard. Every high school senior that graduates from this church, you know one of the things that I tell them, I tell them a few different of my rules, but one of them is this. Your first semester, you need to pay the price. Your first semester is your most important semester. I got one over here about to head to Emory. I'm talking to him. Your first semester is your most important semester 
So work your tail off and try to get dean's list. Because if you can do it your first semester, then you've set yourself up to pay the, you know, you paid the price early on. Now you're in the right thing. You, you, you know the course of action. You know how you can move forward. We teach this to our kids. So we need to learn how to practice this ourselves, right? Here's what it is. Delayed gratification. We're arranging or scheduling the painful parts of life that we've got to get done, right? We're scheduling those early on so then that we can enjoy the more pleasurable parts of our days or our weeks or our life a little bit longer. Now, you might think, you might think that I don't, I can just get up and preach, right? You might think that I don't really have to work really hard to preach a message, but the truth of the matter is, a lot of work that, well, that I do each week goes into the preparation of teaching Scripture to you guys. Now, I remember when I first graduated uh, seminary, I remember uh, taking preaching courses, but nobody ever really taught me how to plan a work week and how to lay out my message early. As a matter of fact, I think I thought exactly the opposite. I thought that the Holy Spirit couldn't speak to anybody until after Saturday night at midnight, you know. I had to be moved by the Holy Spirit, whatever Holy Spirit wanted to do. I, I didn't prepare. And I remember, guys, in the early days of my ministry, going through Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, sometimes just living under a burden of stress, a burden of worry about what I was going to preach this weekend. And, and I remember getting to Saturday night some nights and saying, Lord, what is it? And, and just stressing out, pushing God, saying, I can't figure it out, you know. And, and I remember crafting messages at the last minute. Now listen, I'm a lot older now, and I'm not quite as green as I was before. And I figured out that the Holy Spirit can quite frankly speak anytime He wants to speak if you'll come and ask Him a little bit earlier. Now have you noticed here at Harvest Points? I normally preach in series. Now, you might think that that's just because I like to, to get in a topic and, 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 and share that topic for a little while. The truth of the matter is, I think there's power in series because we get to stay on a subject and we get to kind of squeeze all the good stuff out of it. But I'll tell you this also, there's a power in me being able to lay out what I believe God's called us to share across weeks and weeks long before we get there and then say, God, teach me, show me, help me just pull little elements of life before I ever get there. Now, maybe one of the most important parts is Saturday nights, I don't stress anymore, you know? And, and I've got colleagues of mine, and they're, they're still doing that stuff, guys. Saturday night, they're, they're freaking out because they don't know exactly what all they're going to preach on Sunday morning. Listen, if I ever get to Saturday night, and I, don't, I haven't prayed, prayerfully understood what God's, I, I, that's a very rare thing for me, that I've not prayerfully understood what God is calling me to share with you guys as the body of Christ. So does it mean you have to work differently? Yeah. And does it mean I have to pay a price a little bit earlier? Yeah, to enjoy not living under that kind of stress? Absolutely. What am I teaching you here? Listen, if you could get this concept of delayed gratification, if you could get it, it's worth its weight in gold. Look at those bullet points real quickly. It's worth its weight in gold. If you can harness its power, it will reduce stress in your life. Um, you'll schedule the pain first, and then you'll be able to enjoy the pleasurable moments later. If you could just get a hold of that thing, it can transform your life because you're bringing discipline in your life. This is the concept. This, uh, earlier this week, I was sitting down with a young couple that's about to get married. I was doing some premarital counseling with them. They're going to be married at the end of June. And I was telling them, listen, listen, this is just the truth. Normally, the first three to five, maybe seven years of your marriage are oftentimes the hardest years of your marriage. 
I mean, it just is. You're, you're, you don't know a lot about how to communicate yet, and you guys are very different people, and you're learning how to, how to do so many things together. You're learning how to, how to pay bills together and balance a checkbook together. You're learning how to have, have a children and have a home. A lot of those early years, but I told them, I said, listen, if you will understand this, if you'll pay the price, if you'll read books on your marriage, if you'll make sure you keep dating, if you'll, if you'll go, to, go on retreats for your marriage, if you'll spend time, countless hours kind of, you know, exercising every demon that you have in, in your relationship. If you pay the price now, your marriage will be richer in the end and you will, you will so much enjoy the, the years that are to come. Pay the price now. And many of you know this, this, works, this works in our money, right? If you put money away early, that money will compound later on. If you have delayed gratification when it comes to your finances, it will bless you. This is every part of our lives. It's, it's your skills. This past, week, um, this past week, I was talking to Alex about our kicking schedule this week. I have a kicker, and I was laying it down in front of him, you know, and I was saying, you know, you've got to camp this place, this place, and this place. You've got to pay the price now in order to get yourself there. We don't just go into a work week or, or, or a practice week and not have a plan. He knows every day he's going to practice and how he's going to practice during that day. It's delaying the the, the pleasurable part to a later time and paying the painful price now. Now, I hope you already get that. I'm going to come back to it in a little while, but I hope you get this thing of practicing delayed gratification. Now, write this one down. The second way you can be disciplined in your life, you can have self-control in your life, and that is, that is this. You employ advanced decision-making. Employ advanced decision-making. Now, it almost sounds like a college course, doesn't it? Advanced decision-making. Now, what are we talking about here, Stephen? Um, well, let me first of all start with a, with a question to kind of help you understand it. Here's my question. See if everybody in the room can answer this. When is the worst time to go grocery shopping? When you're hungry, right? That's right. Everybody in the room knows that one, right? When you go grocery shopping and you're hungry, statistics tell us that you will end up buying 20 to 30% more groceries than you had planned on. Now, what's interesting is you go to the grocery store and when you're hungry and you start putting everything in, if it's not bolted down, you're going to start putting it in the car, you know? I mean, the axle in the cart's about to explode while you're trying to push it out of the place. Why? Because you're hungry and anything that you're walking by looks good. Now, now that is not advanced decision making, right? That is going to the store when you're hungry instead of a different way you could look at it is understanding, hey, I'm not going to go when I'm hungry. I'm going to figure out what I'm going to buy at the grocery store, what we need at our house. Here's my list. I'm going to go in. I'm going to buy what we need. Advanced decision making, here's the idea. Listen, you, it's very simple. Notice these Notice these bullet points real quickly that I've laid out for you. And here's the idea for a Christ follower, okay? If you consider yourself a Christ follower, you, you, you are making the key decisions of your life not in a spur of a moment, not in the heat of a decision, not when stress is on you. You're making the key decisions of your life when you're in a place of studying Scripture, you're in a place of prayer, you're in a place where you're, you're, you're uh, surrendered to the Holy Spirit in your life, and in those places you're making key decisions in your life. You're not doing it on the whim. You're not doing it just because now the deadline is here and now you've got to make the decision. You're not doing it because of emotion. You're bringing the key decisions of your life to a place where you are surrendered to the Holy Spirit, you're in an issue of prayer, and you're making wise decisions. In kind of the daylight hours of your own spiritual life, you're making good decisions. So let me just talk for a minute. If it's okay, I'm going to rant for a minute. Is it okay if I rant? I want to rant about a few things that I've seen people 
not make advanced decisions on, and they end up biting them, okay? They end up hurting them because people don't realize how detrimental these things can be. So the first one is this, uh, recreational shopping, all right? We all know what recreational shopping is, right? Now, let me, t- let me talk for a minute about the insanity of recreational shopping, all right? In recreational shopping, we're, it, it might be rainy during the day. You know, we're stuck in the house. We want to get out of the house. We want to go somewhere. So what do we do? We just go, we go look. We're just going to go look, right? We're just going to go look somewhere. We're going to go down to the Tanger Outlet Mall, and we're just going to go look. And what do we do? Now, in our, in our little funkiness, in our little depression, we're going to go look. And that, what happens is we walk into these stores with these wonderfully, beautifully lit products, right? There's wonderful music playing in the background. It could even be Disney music, you know? And we're walking around, and we're looking. Now, we, don't, now we, got, we might have a credit card maxed out to the band. We might, we might have a, a budget, you know, that we're working off of, but in this moment, we're not making the advanced decisions. We're just going off whatever we feel like, right? We just need to get out of the house. We're just here to look, right? But then all of a sudden, you see these clothes, you know, you see these clothes, they just look cute, don't they? Not to us men. I like that. That was good, right? Yeah, and, and we think to ourselves, and we start buying stuff with money we don't have, the money we haven't planned for, and, and it's just recreational shopping. We didn't make a decision to do it in advance. We're just doing it, and we're just spending it because we have it to spend, or maybe we didn't have it to spend. Guys, so many times we wreck our budgets because we don't make decisions ahead of time. We don't live off the budget. Now, how could you have done that differently? You know what? Maybe you did have a budget. Or maybe even better yet, if you had a budget, you instead of you taking your card, you took cash because you only had $50 and you, you, want, a, you want a shirt and a pair of pants and you needed that, right? And, and you went shopping on purpose. Listen, what are you saying, Stephen? Advanced decision-making is a, is a powerful tool in discipline or self-control. Here's another example. I'm going to rant about this one for a minute. I've been, in, I've been in ministry now for somewhere around 20-plus years as a pastor. And, and I meet people all the time, and they have this twin regret thing going on. And I just want to talk about it for a minute. Okay, can I talk about it? Twin regrets. And, and, and I call them twin regrets because I hear most of them all, always just like kissing cousins. People oftentimes talk about their inability to tithe and their inability to save. Now, they know the Bible talks clearly about what we're supposed to do with our tithe and how we're supposed to do that first and what we're supposed to do with our savings because that's wise and prudent for our life. But I meet people all the time and they just say, Pastor Stephen, I just I haven't ever been able to do it. I haven't ever been able to, to, to do the tithe like I know God wants me to do it. I may have started it, but I, I fell through with it. I, I, I didn't follow through with it. Or I've just never been able to, to put aside some savings for me and my family. And they, they live, now get the picture, because they lack discipline in that area, they live with this kind of burden of, of shame or of guilt. Or maybe it's just of, you know, just feeling like they just, everybody else can do this, but I can't do it, you know? And I hear people talk about that, and I just think to myself about how, how many other stories I've heard of folks who, by themselves, they couldn't do it, but they harness the power of advanced decision-making, and they remove from themselves the shame and the guilt and all that, that care and that worry they had around those two things. I've met people who, who for example, they figured out how to tithe. And, and you know the tool they use to tithe? They struggle with it. They struggle with it. They struggle with it. And all of a sudden, they figured out there was something called online banking. And they went online. And it was automated from that moment on. And before their check even, before they even got the rest of the money deposit, they did the online banking thing. 
And they figured out how, wow, you know what? And it brought freedom to them. And it brought, they took the care away, and they figured out how to do the same thing with their saving. They figured out how to do automatic deduction into a different savings account. And all of a sudden, those twin regrets of, of, of tithing and of saving were solved in their life. Now, what are you talking about, Stephen? Listen, advanced decision-making is figuring out up front, this is what I'm going to make a decision on. Uh, this is the way my life's going to go. I'm going to make this decision now, and I'm going to pay the price now, delayed gratification. I'm going to enjoy it later on because I'm making this decision right now up front. You know, it's, it's, uh, I'm going through this right now in my life uh, with the gym, right? In the gym, I, if I leave it to how I feel on a given day, whether I'm going to go work out or not, exercise or not, listen, I can tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to get tired. I'm going to not have a, have a good night of sleep or something, and I'm not going to go because I'm not going to feel like going. But what I have to do at the very beginning of every week is I have to look at Monday, Tuesday, when, I have to look at my weekly work schedule, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I have to figure out when I can go to the gym, when I can work on that thing I preached to you about last week, being strong in my body. I have to figure out in advance. And on Sundays, listen, on Sundays, every Sunday, I make my advanced decision on what I'm going to do this week. I don't wait till Wednesday to figure it out. I'm not trying to figure it out on Friday. I figure out on Sundays what I'm going to do in that week, and I go ahead and make the decision on what days I'm going to make it to the gym. This is, this is the way wise decisions and discipline is made. Second question, you ready? When is the best time, if you're in a dating relationship, when is the best time to decide how far you're going to go physically, relationally with that person that you're dating? Is it, is it uh, you know, sitting around a cup of coffee at 2 o'clock in the afternoon at a Starbucks and y'all talking about it? Or is it at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, on your couch in your apartment? Which one's the best place to decide how far you're going to go physically and relationally? What's the answer? That's right. 2 o'clock, daylight hours in the Starbucks, you know, or wherever it is, in the daylight that you're not going to make good decisions at 2 o'clock on the couch in the apartment on how far you're going to go physically in a relationship. Why? Why? Because advanced decision-making is a powerful tool towards getting discipline. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, most people are not very disciplined on the couch in the apartment, okay? So what are we talking about here? This can be applied to everything in your life, this advanced decision-making. This week, most of us in this room, you have a place where you're going to go work, all right? You have your workplace. Now, some of our workplaces can be, you know, in, in, in your cubicle, or it can be in that, in that factory, or on that work floor, or on that hospital floor, right? Some of our workplaces could be in our home. You know, maybe you are, you're a career mom. Wherever your workplace is, here's the question. Are you one of those people who just goes to work, and you just show up to work, and you're going to do whatever you feel like that day? See, what I figured out is the most productive people in our society, the people who are the greatest workers for their companies, are people who, when they enter a work week, they already have a plan for what their work week is going to look like. They don't go into their office and jump on Facebook or do whatever they want to, you know, figure out who's, who's tweeting. They don't do that stuff. What they do is they work hard, they work planned, they know what their advanced schedule is going to look like in their week, and then they give themselves to it. And I can tell you what, guys, listen, when I do this in ministry, I know what it's like to have a planned day, to work through a day, to give it all I got, and then at the end of the day, start driving out of this parking lot, and I can have a thousand things still on the to-do list that I didn't do. But listen, I can lay it down. When I have done advanced planning 
and I work the way I knew I was supposed to work, when I go home, I can be a dad, I can be a husband, I don't have to be, I can, I can leave all the work behind because I made advanced decisions about what my work was going to look like, and I worked hard at my work week to do my best. That's called discipline. That's called self-control. Now, just real quickly, I said I'm going to rant, so I'm going to keep on ranting for a minute, right? I've touched on work, right? I've touched on the gym. I've touched on recreational shopping. I've touched on um, the twin regrets. Now, let me talk about this one for a minute. How many of us in this room, all right, advanced decision-making, how many of this room, I wonder, haven't taken a vacation in the last year? Now, you haven't taken a vacation because you hadn't planned it, you know, or you've just been hitting it hard, you've been working hard, you've been going at it. But did you know a lot of folks... They don't understand the power of making an advanced decision ahead of time, and they don't ever schedule a vacation out there where they need it. And one of the things I figured out is that in my life, I need to know when my family needs a break. I need to know when when they're out of school, and we need to plan times together, and you have to do it in advance. If you wait to do a vacation at the last minute, lots of other things will happen, and it will crowd out your ability to do what you need to do with and for your family and also for yourself to take a break. What are you talking about? Advanced planning is a key towards discipline, even when it comes to how we enjoy life with our vacations, relaxing in life. So plan out and make make a decision in advance and then work towards that that decision that you've made. I see this in church, by the way. Okay, last last place of rant, all right? I see this in worship service. I, I see people say, They'll come to church, and then right before they leave, they'll see me out in the lobby. And right before they're going to their car, they'll say, you know what? Church was awesome today, and I almost didn't come. And I was like, what? You know? And this is the moment where they might not really want to see me in the lobby because I just start playing with it, you know? Okay, so what did you do this morning, you know? Did you just flip a coin and say, I think I might, will I go to worship or I won't go to worship, right? You know, how do you, is that the way you make decisions in your life? Is that the way you're going to treat your spiritual life, one of the most important components of your life? You just flip coins, and however you feel, you might go to worship, you might not go to worship. Now, at this moment, they might not want to talk to me anymore. They might have wished they didn't come to worship, you know. They want to already be in their car. But here's the point. Here's the point. You know like I know that when you come to church and you come to worship, good things happen in your soul normally. God speaks to you, right? I mean, you get around God's Word, you get around God's people, you get a fresh perspective, you remember your purpose, maybe you get encouragement that you needed, but here's the deal. When you get back in your car, you are glad every time you came to church. You're like, hallelujah, I love my church, you know? That's the way it works. Now, why is it that so many folks don't make an advanced decision to say, you know what? Every Sunday morning, I, that's where I'm at. I go to church because I know that this is good for my soul. I know it's good for my family. This is what I do. Now, what am I talking about this morning? Self-control and discipline, right? It's saying up front, you know what? I know. I know what's good for me. I've made a decision, an advanced decision for me and my family. When the church is open, I'm going to be with the body of Christ. Now, let me go back real quickly. We talked about self-gratification. I'm sorry. <laughs> Delayed gratification, not self-gratification. Delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. And we've talked about advanced decision-making. Now, can I take you back to that definition, one of the best definitions I ever heard? What is discipline? Discipline is doing the right thing regardless of how you feel at the moment. Write down point number three. Point number three. Another way that you can 
you can have more discipline and self-control in your life. And that's simply this. Celebrate small victories on your journey towards a disciplined life. Celebrate small victories along your journey towards greater discipline in your life. Now, let me tell you a little clue. You might want to write this down the margin, okay? You might want to write this down somewhere. Too much discipline, too much regimen in your life is a recipe for disaster. If you don't ever celebrate, if you don't ever have any parties, if you don't ever have any good moments because you're just always a disciplined person, you are a complete bore. And I don't even want to be around you, right? I mean, the truth of the matter is too much, too much discipline without celebration is a recipe for disaster. Now, here, here's, here's the truth. I've, you've probably seen people like this. People get all fired up about discipline, right? I'm going to have, you might, you might feel this way after this sermon today. I'm going to get more discipline in my life, you know? I'm going I'm to harness the power of advanced decision making. I'm going to employ that delayed gratification in my life. I'm going to do this thing. And you, got me get, you might get all fired up and you might get so disciplined that you just get busy, busy, busy about just being on task and making decisions and da 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 da. Six weeks from now, if you don't have any celebrations, if you don't have any party, your joy is going to be gone, and you're going to be miserable, and you're going to hate the disciplined life that you've built for yourself, right? Now, here's what I want us to do for a minute. I want you to think about the guy that we find in this book, Jesus, all right? Jesus said that the reason he came was to bring us life, and to bring us life to the full. Now, Jesus was an incredibly disciplined person. He was, but if you look at Jesus' life, Jesus also knew how to have fun. Jesus knew how to celebrate. I mean, we, we look at Jesus' life, we find the guy at weddings, we see him on mountain retreats, we see him at sleepovers with his friends, we see Jesus on the lake, on, on the, you know, enjoying it. We see Jesus doing a lot of good things and fun things, and that's who Jesus is. But how about this? Before the New Testament, press back into the Old Testament. You remember the Old Testament? Have you ever thought about how many times God told the people of the Old Testament that they were supposed to have feasts or festivals? He told them over, you know, they had this feast for that and this feast for that and this festival for that. Have you ever wondered why? See, for the longest time, I thought it was just because God wanted to give them kind of like revival services, you know. Maybe, maybe God wanted them to have some special worship services. Listen, I want to tell you, that is not why God chose to command them to have feasts and to have festivals. The truth of the matter is, listen, our God, who is a good God, knew that life gets tough. And especially in the Old Testament, in that agrarian world, those folks worked hard just to live every day of every week. And he knew that the hardness and the toughness of the life that we live needed to be punctuated at different moments with just feasts and celebrations. There needed to be moments where you just said, hey, let's throw a party. Let's celebrate for a little while. We've done enough work. And there were these moments over and over again in the calendar where God told them, God told them, he planned it out for them. And he said, during this season and during this season and during this moment, I want you to have a festival. I want you to have a feast. And he wanted them to celebrate. He wanted them to have parties because our God knew that we need that kind of celebration. We need to celebrate those kind of victories in our life. Now, that is what I'm challenging you to be. Listen, I'm challenging you today to be a person who is not a, a person who lacks self-control because we know self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? I'm challenging you to be a person who harnesses the power of discipline and clings to it with all that you have for it is your life, right? That's what the Scripture says. But at the same time, 
I'm challenging you to understand that your life must not always be around discipline. It must also have these moments of celebration and joy and parties and relaxation. That needs to be your life as well. Too much discipline makes us dull boys and girls, all right? That's, who it, that's what happens in our life. And so we need to find ways to instill rewards. Now, look at those bullet points that I put there for you. What are you talking about, Stephen, here? You're going to celebrate small victories all along the way. I'm challenging you today in a disciplined life to find creative ways to inject joy into your life as you're trying to have greater discipline in your life. I'm challenging you to have that, those creative moments, because they will motivate you to then stay disciplined and continue to have a disciplined, self-controlled life. Now, how have I seen this happen? Um, I'll, I'll tell you, personally, uh, there have been moments in my life where I remember we were trying to bring some discipline to our financial world, and we were paying off certain debts that we might have. And, and my wife and I, we, were, we knew that God was calling us to pay down debt and get out of debt and all that kind of stuff. And you know what we did? Every time we paid off a little card or we got paid down something, we would take our kids out to eat. And we'd tell them what we did, and we'd cut up the card together. That's a little moment of joy, celebrating a victory together as a family. Our kids thought we were like Dave Ramsey fanatics or something. But what we were doing was we were just trying to celebrate these moments that then would motivate us to continue to pay and get ourselves out of debt. I know a couple, for example, who um, recently, who wanted to, it's a husband and wife, they wanted to pay off their mortgage early. So what they started doing was they started making payments. Think to yourself, delayed gratification. They started making extra payments, but they put themselves a little goal out there. They were going to go on a trip to Hawaii when they got their mortgage paid off early. And they, that, that was their goal, right? So they really did three things all at one time. They had delayed gratification by making payments early. They were doing the tougher thing first and enjoying the pleasurable moments later, right? They were doing advanced decision-making. They made a decision up front, what they were going to do, and they stuck to it. They, they kind of made an agreement together, husband and wife, this is what we're going to do. And then later on, when they paid off their house, they actually did celebrate and travel over to Hawaii and enjoy that time and celebrate what they were able to do together as a couple. Now, guys, I just think having small victories along the way is an important part of motivating yourself towards that discipline life. I was on, uh, I don't do a lot of Facebook stuff, but I was on there a couple of days ago, and I saw one of my high school friends, and maybe you've seen this, maybe, maybe if you don't Facebook, you probably hadn't seen it, but let me tell you what, let me tell you what folks are doing out there. Folks who have, um, I saw one of my high school friends, she had lost 50 pounds, all right, and she took a picture of herself, she's a school teacher, she took a picture of herself with one of her children at the start of this school year, and during the school year, all, from August all the way till just a couple of days ago, she, she, when she was saying goodbye to that child at the end of the school year, she took a, a picture with that child again, and she's put underneath the caption on her Facebook page, she said, look at the growth in both of us. Now, that little girl had shot up a little bit. You could tell that she was no longer just a little first grader anymore. Now she was that, getting ready to be that second grader, right? But more importantly, there was my high school friend who had lost 50 pounds, Right? And the transformation was there, and she said, I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm so glad that I'm on the way. Now, you know what? <laughs> it's kind of risky, isn't it? Throwing that stuff on Facebook, you know? Throwing it out there. I was so proud of my friend, because you know what she was doing? She was doing a little small victory. She's doing a little celebration for how far she'd come. And it's, she's not alone. She's seen other people do it along the way, Right? Those things are so important. Those things are so important because they motivate us to continue 
to try to have that disciplined life where we're doing the right things regardless of how we might feel at the moment. Now, I'm going to close this down for a minute. I want to talk to moms and dads for a minute. If you're a mom and dad, I just want you to, I want to talk to you, or maybe a grandmom, granddad, all right? I want to talk to you for a minute. I, I had a crazy thought this week while I was preparing this message, and here's my crazy thought. What if today I could give you any wish, those of you who are moms and dads or grandmas and granddads, what if I give you any wish and I could give to you the gift of you imparting to your children, all right, you imparting to your children discipline in, in one specific area of their life? Now, I want you to think about that. So your kids, you know, um, I'm, uh, how, how about little, little Randy and Ashley are sitting here. Now, they might have one of the littlest, smallest kids of them all, right? They've got little Sadie. And they don't even know all about Sadie yet. But what if mom and, as a mom and dad, they could say, God, today, we're gonna, if we could depart discipline over her in one area, what would it be? Would it be her studies? Would it be finances? Our daughter would be disciplined her finances the whole life. That's what we would want to, to bless her with. What would be that discipline area? Would it be relationships? You know, what would it look like? Moms and dads, think about that for a minute. I think this is healthy. I think it's healthy to think about your children, almost think about them by name, and what is the area of discipline that you think they need the most? Now, I'd like for you to think about that yourself. Think about what area of discipline you might need the most. What would it be in? Would it be in the way you work? Would it be in the way you play? Have you not scheduled a vacation in a long time? You know? Would it be in your finances? Would it be in your mouth? Would it be in what you eat? Would it be in your body? What would be your discipline area that you need? Okay, so here's where my thought went really crazy. Have you seen the Pope do his little, uh, what, what is this thing? The little thing that he does like this, he just walks around and uh, is sprinkling holy water or whatever. I, I, got this, I got this thought this week. I thought, what if I could just... Depart to everybody here one thing today. What if I could make you all discipline? A little bit more over there. What if I could make you all discipline in one area? What if I just, every one of you, you too high, I got you right there. Boop, 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 boop. Now, I know that's a crazy thought. It's certifiably crazy. Yes, it is. But what if I could just depart discipline to you in one area? I just want to talk to you for a minute as I close down this message today as your pastor. If I could do this thing, Charlie, if I could do this thing for every one of us, if I could just give you discipline in an area, and if I could give it to your children, and if I could give it to your grandchildren. You know the one area of discipline that I'd, I'd like God to bless us as a church with? I've spoken to you about it many times. But you know, if you're going to have a strong life, it is the one thing I think that you need more than anything else. And it's the discipline of a chair, and of a Bible, and of 15 minutes. I've challenged you guys as a congregation to build strong lives where every day you find a chair, you find a Bible, and you find 15 minutes. You know what I've found in my life? I'm stronger. I promise you. I'm stronger on my days when I have a chair and a Bible in 15 minutes. 
I'm stronger in every one of those areas that I've preached to you about. I'm stronger in my body. I'm stronger in my love. I'm stronger in my patience. I'm stronger in my character. I'm stronger in my priorities. I'm stronger in my faith. I'm stronger in every one of these areas. I am stronger in my discipline. When I start my day with a chair and just 15 minutes, God's Word and listening to God, what He has to say over my life. And if I could do this little thing to every one of your lives, you know what my hope is for you and your family? My hope is that you have a strong, godly family. That you would be strong, godly parents. And that you'd be strong, godly grandparents. And one of the greatest ways I know that happens is day by day. A chair, 15 minutes, God's Word. As we close out this series, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Do the right thing, regardless of how you may feel at the moment, and you will grow stronger. Would you pray with me? Lord, we want to know your strength in us, and we want to be strong in our families. We want to have a strong church. We want to have strong parents and strong children. But, Lord, we know that that means we've got to plug into you every day, and we've got to hear your guidance and your leadership over our lives. So, Lord, we just pray that you would help us this week. Help us this week to take 15 minutes in a chair in the Bible and help it guide our week. Help us to make wise decisions. Help us to delay gratification and do the hardest thing first. Lord, I pray that you'd help us have advanced decision-making going on in our life. And I, and I just pray, God, that... You would help us to understand what it means to be disciplined, yet people who know what it's like to celebrate the victories along the way. And Lord, today as I close, I just want to let that scripture, that that first scripture that I read, just let it permeate the air for us. Cling to discipline. Hold on to it with all that you have, for it is your life. And Lord, I pray you would teach us how to be more and more and more with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, self-controlled Christ followers. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, we're going to pray over our nacho lunch, and I had asked Ross Cooper to come in, but I don't see Ross anywhere. So I'm going to go ahead, uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray over our luncheon. I thought he was going to be here to pray, but he's probably still teaching our youth. Uh, let me remind you, if you will, um, stay after with us for lunch. Five bucks, all right? You can write a check. Um, if you don't have cash, you can just write a check, um, and you can, or if you need to borrow some money, you can borrow some money. Just come see me. Um, you can, we, we'd love to have you stay around because you'll not only bless our ministry, but it'll be great fellowship with one another. By the way, if you're writing a check, they do take more than $5 per nachos. You can throw in a little extra gift there. All right? So let's pray, and then we're, we're going to go eat some nachos. And by the way, those of you who are in these two sections over here, we're going to be really changing chairs fast over here because we're going to put tables up in these two sections over here. So... Um, so don't get hit by a table. All right, let's pray together. God, we pray that you would be blessed through our fellowship around the table and food now. And we pray also, Lord, that as we give to your ministry uh, towards this luncheon, that you would bless teenagers and college students to, Lord, go deeper in relationship with you on this camp in Nicaragua and on this mission trip to Nicaragua. Lord, we pray that this would bless their ministry as we give towards their growth in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Bless this food. Amen. Amen. Stick around for lunch.